Our scripture this morning comes from the prophet Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. As we come to God's word, let us pray. Breathe, O God, and speak to us now. Connect bone to bone. Connect faith to action. Connect your word to our heart. Amen. Now hear the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them, and there were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and bones came together, bone to its bone, I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then God said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live I prophesied as God commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The last time I stood in this pulpit, I wanted to sink to the floor. Page five somehow had slipped out of my fingers as I grabbed the sermon off the printer before the 11 o'clock service. It was face down by the volunteer desk in the office, and I was here with you. I wanted to die of embarrassment, which is why the word embarrassment jumped off the page of an article I read this week 
by Dr. Tom Long, a professor of preaching. Long's article, which is worth the read, is called The Perilous and Promising Pulpit. And it quotes the theologian Karl Barth. Barth said that the only appropriate attitude for a preacher to have in the pulpit is embarrassment. So I suppose I'm doing okay. <laughs> but Bart wasn't talking about page five. His reason for preacher embarrassment is that preachers stand in the pulpit empty-handed, utterly dependent upon God to speak to them and through them. Embarrassed preachers are preachers who know they are beggars. They can give only what God has given to them. This week, again, I was begging for words, for the word. Begging because it has been a month now since Hamas terrorists rained down rockets at a music festival and ripped families from their beds. A month since retribution and a justified fear for safety has fueled an utter pummeling of the Gaza Strip with nowhere for civilians to flee. And I know I'm not alone in begging for words in light of this. Sue was with me too. Sue is an elder at the Church of Reconciliation down the hill. And on Thursday, we were together at a Presbytery meeting in Raleigh, and Sue was slated to give the devotion before our work. She taught us a song, and with it, some movements. I went back this week to see if Sue had just made up the movements, but most of them were American Sign Language. One word was rich. It's like showing a big pile of money. And another word was poor. Like you have holes in your elbow jacket, so patches. The song went like this. When the rain comes down, it comes down for everyone. When the rain comes down, it comes down for everyone. No matter if you're rich or poor, no matter if you're great or small, when the rain comes down, it comes down for us all. There are multiple verses, and we were all just gently singing along until Sue got to the verse that talked about a baby smiling. When a baby smiles, she's smiling for everyone. When she got to that line, her words failed. All she could think about were children dying in Gaza. More than 3,600 children in 25 days. The committee held silence with Sue in the way that loving groups do when tears come in public. And then I don't remember who it was, but someone started the motions without the words.
Maybe you're like Sue. And it's the grief of this war and all the death that makes your throat go dry. Or maybe the drought of words comes because of fear. Fear that you don't, you don't know enough to understand all the nuance of the news. Or fear that any word of critique would hint at anti-Semitism. Or maybe it's a lack of hope that we have nothing to say because the piles of rubble feel inevitable. People are prone to destruction and we fear that nothing can change. We are all beggars, church. So it means we have to find our words from somewhere beyond ourselves. And it is God who says, prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the rubble all around you. Find your voice. Prophesy to every parched and grieving and fearful and apathetic place. Speak, not just any words, but speak what God has given to you, which is hope and breath and life. Ezekiel 37 is a bizarre scripture. Admittedly, it is quite perfect for the Sunday after Halloween, but the prophet did not have costumes and candy in mind. All Ezekiel could think of or see was exile. His people had been living as refugees in a foreign land. Babylon had moved in and pushed them out. And the news had just come that Jerusalem had been raised, the temple included. So this prophet's vision of a valley of dried up hope was right on. Ezekiel looks out at all the bones and sees death, the death of a future, the death of home, the death of identity, and speaks God's word I will cause breath to enter you. One pastor says it may have been like this. The first thing that happened was the sound of rattling and the clicking like the tide going out over a million pebble beaches as the bones started snapping back together again. The next thing that happened was a million reassembled skeletons pulling on skin like long winter underwear. The last thing that happened was color coming back into a million pairs of cheeks and the spark into a million pairs of eyes and breath of life into a million pairs of lungs. It is a stunning, albeit strange, picture of new life. The impossible becomes real the stalemate becomes a way of hope. Destruction becomes a dance party. Death turns into life. It's what we call good news, resurrection, gospel. Church, breathe it in, because that breath is the very spirit of God, and it is in the business of bringing life. It always has been 
since God's breath moved over the water at creation, since its warmth was felt as Jesus breathed peace to terrified disciples behind closed doors on Easter evening. I know your hearts break at the news, but I am here to tell you that there is no reason to fear that God's spirit has run out of air. But perhaps if we're honest, we'll tell the truth that we come here week after week just to check. Or at least we come to remind this beautiful family around us to to breathe in God's spirit and encourage each other to walk back out into that thirsty world and breathe it out to others. That's what we do here. But before we go out, glance once more at this story, how it all starts. Before the words, before the breath, before the new life, God starts the whole thing with a question. Mortal, can these bones live? Can anything be different? I think our cynicism is so strong that we actually gloss this question over and fail to realize it's actually a question. Sometimes I think we mistake the question as an order or a mandate. You, mortal, you make the bones live. You articulate a vision for how they can live, generate a strategy about how they'll come to life. You have all the answers about how this is going to work out. But remember, we can only give what God has given to us. We are beggars, embarrassed, and definitely dependent on something beyond us. God asks, can these bones live? And Ezekiel knows he is empty-handed. So the prophet responds, Lord, you know. And God does. God knows that yes, they can. God knows that life will come knows that God's spirit will blow. God will scoop together the dried up bit brittle bones and dust and breathe new life. God knows, and I pray, church, that we do too, that this life is for everyone. No matter if you're rich, poor, no matter if you're great or small, no matter if you're Israeli or Palestinian, no matter that life is for everyone. Amen.